Please don't pull hard on your leash, on your leash, on your leash. Please don't pull hard on your leash, cause you will pull me over. Hey, it's me, Cindy. I write a lot of songs in my head, clearly not so much because of my brilliant songwriting talent, but because I'm easily amused. That's my new theme song when, for when Ruby and I are out walking. It occurs to me that for as much as I love dogs, I'm a lousy trainer. I don't like to be stern. I don't want to hurt their little feelings. So instead, Ruby takes me for a walk, and I need her to get that I'm the boss. So I paged through a stack of books on dog training to see if I could find an idea that works for us. Like I said, I don't want to hurt her feelings or rely on my gigantic humanness to dominate her. I just want her to stop yanking my arm out of the socket. I think I found a solution. I'm on day two. I think it's going to work eventually. Here's the idea. I have to get her to think of me as the leader of the walk. So according to the directions, every time the leash gets taut, I stop. She'll stop, turn around, eyeball me to watch for when the walk resumes. Once she looks and then takes a step back towards me, we start up again. Line gets taut, we stop, she walks back to me, we go. What she has to learn is that only a loose line lets the walk continue. Sound good? I'll let you know how that goes. It's not just walking or that's the problem. She gets me up at six in the morning by jumping on the bed and standing on me. Yeah, who's the boss? It's hard to discipline a dog out of a sound sleep. And once I'm up, she's frantic to eat. Then she's frantic to go for a walk. Then she wants to go in the yard, but only if I'm with her. And she wants to play, and she wants attention. She wants anything. She wants everything. But what she really needs is a flock of sheep to herd. Did I mention she's part border collie? But since I'm not getting sheep, I am considering a pack mate. I've almost always had two dogs at the same time. With only two cats now in the family and Kebster refusing to put up with any of her nonsense, Mia has become the unhappy object of Ruby's go there, no, that way, no, over there, until Mia just herds herself out to hide in the basement for a break. I'm thinking another dog could be the answer to how to make Ruby happy and keep her entertained. But then I think, is this like when a couple has a baby to help a bad relationship? Is this a bad idea? I don't know. I just started reading The Book of Joy. It's uh, about a meeting between the Dalai Lama and Archbishop Desmond Tutu when they talk about how happiness is fleeting, but joy can be a constant state. And I look up from reading and I watch Ruby tossing her plastic bucket in the air and thinking that dogs, dogs with good lives, probably live in or near a state of constant joy. They set a good example that the simple pleasures of an occasional treat, going for a walk, playing with a stick or a bucket is all it takes. And I'm thinking about what it takes for humans to be in or near that state of joy. I was with some friends last night the Bobby Nathan Band, if you know them. And there was this little boy, five years old. I think his name was Devin. And he had this blow-up guitar. And Gary, the band singer, invited him to stand up on a riser and play along. Little Devin took it like a professional, focusing on this guitar as though he was part of making the music behind him. And watching him really made my heart soar. 
Then I was watching James, the drummer, who is always in a state of enjoying every beat, and Mikey, the sax player, who is completely in the moment making something magic from that instrument, and Gary, who has so much fun fronting the band that I can't imagine what he does when he's not on stage, and Bobby, and Joanne, and Clutch, and Patty. This might sound nutty, but... I'm getting kind of choked up just thinking about them all and how watching them made me so happy. And beyond that, I carry them and their talents and their love of making that music along with me. And I think that's a state of joy that's sustainable. Thinking of things that make you happy, remembering that experience, remembering how you felt when you were having that experience. Maybe music, Great music, familiar music, live music, maybe that has the same effect on you. Or maybe for you it's something else. Maybe there are many things that trigger that joystick. <laughs> joystick. How did the video game instrument get labeled joystick? Something else to ponder some other time. Anyway, I was thinking, how does somebody live in a state of joy? I might find that out as I read more of this book. But for now, I'm kind of making a mental inventory. Music is definitely up there, as are dogs. Something about watching them playing or eating or sleeping. or Well, you know, just dogs being their dog selves. You hear birds singing. Not quite the same, but maybe related to music. Laughter, mine or anybody's, everybody's. Any laughter, any time just makes me happy. Seeing people in love or watching people reunite like at an airport or a train station, running into each other at stop and shop. I was pulling in the other day and one woman was getting out of her car and the other woman ran running up to her and you knew they hadn't seen each other in ages and they were really happy to be seeing each other again. Then there are those sensory joys, you know, a hot bath, the smell of cinnamon, climbing into bed when I'm just so bone tired, ice water when I'm really thirsty, cake, Mmm, cake. I'm not telling you what to do because word is I tend to be kind of bossy sometimes, but in my own defense, I am, if I am, I don't mean to be. Everything is always a suggestion. I'd like to hear what brings you joy. If you would like to share, tell me what brings you joy. I'd like to hear it. What triggers that deep, heartwarming sense of all is wonderful? Or what would trigger it if you could come across it? I know that I have a leg up on this joy thing, having been raised by two extremely happy parents who believed in ending every dinner with dessert, and I had a dog. But even with a genetic disposition and a very fortunate childhood and a great pet, staying plugged into joy can present a challenge. It's the way our brains are wired, apparently. I'm going to have to paraphrase this because while Jeremy Dean's Making Habits, Breaking Habits is one of the very best self-help books I ever read, I must have lent out my copy so I can't quote it verbatim. Where's that copy? That said, what he explained made a profound enough impression that this is a close enough description. Essentially, the reason happiness doesn't last so long is because our brains are wired to get used to it. You know, you get a new job, you're thrilled. Eventually, you're griping along with everyone else in the office. You get a new car. Before long, it's just, you know, way to get to where you have to go. Because, if you're ready for this, if we stayed in the state of happiness, we would just stop right there and not shoot any higher. So if happiness doesn't wear off or slip away, if we don't get bored, annoyed, restless, impatient, 
we wouldn't have an interest in advancing, in getting another job or a raise or a promotion or a new outlook. And that awareness can be applied to almost everything that gives you fleeting happiness. But joy, joy can be a constant. It's created, fed by, rooted in a sense of deep appreciation and gratitude so that even when life is a miserable challenge, you still have a baseline that somewhere life is good. Apparently, dogs don't have that challenge. They aren't wired to always want more, unless it's treats, but that's more biological than emotional. I don't always intend to get back to dogs, but somehow I just wind up there. Okay, okay, so there's joy, and then there's its ugly opposite, misery. Not that I want to delve into what triggers misery, but this really cracked me up. Have you heard of rap rage? And no, it's not the anger that bubbles up when a passing car has the bass so loud that it thunders in your chest and makes you kind of nauseous and you want to say, turn it down. Or maybe that's just me. No, rap, W-R-A-P, rap rage, having to wrestle with hard to open packages. No, I did not make this up. It seems Hasbro is the latest business to try to solve this menace to our mental health spurred on by Amazon, who has now encouraged over a thousand companies to simplify how they package products sold online. It turns out they came up with this idea after noting rap rage was one of the top customer complaints. I'm not sure that I know anybody personally who has been all that bothered by twist ties and plastic shells, but whatever. It's not such a problem for those who were disturbed as Word is it only takes seconds to open a frustration-free package compared with minutes for the older versions. It's worth noting as Amazon continues to chip away at world domination and giving more people more reasons to click and spend, in-store packaging will remain a dangerous trigger. Be warned. But that's not the only rage issue posing a threat to civilization. I came across this story about da, 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 sidewalk rage. I think it's the pedestrian version of road rage, especially the variety triggered when you're in the HOV lane and you get behind a car going 55. Yeah, I know it's the speed limit, but come on. Can you honestly say you never go 56? Anyway, it seems to be a state that hits fast walkers and triggers unspoken or sometimes vocal hostility towards the slow walkers. Leon James, who is credited with being a University of Hawaii psychologist and leading expert on this phenomenon. Can you imagine? Hi, I'm Leon James. I'm a leading expert on the phenomenon of, what is it called? Sidewalk rage? (laughs) Okay, so anyway, Leon says fast walkers often imply their rage stems from believing that they are in the right either because they can trot out studies that suggest the very act of walking at a brisk pace is healthier, or that slow walkers are breaking social rules. For example, here in New York, we keep to the right, follow the flow of foot traffic, watch where we're going. We don't cluster up if we're in a large group. We move to the side if we insist on stopping or slowing down. Stop sidewalk rage. Speed up or get out of the way. Having spent more than my fair share of time on the LIE, let's talk road rage now, which will trigger some level of annoyance in just about everyone. 
I started to amuse myself by creating little road songs dedicated to the slow pokes, the rude, the self-involved, the distracted, and all the bad drivers. I call this one, Why? Ready? Why are you driving so slow? That's what we'd all like to know. If you just hit the gas, you could go. But no, guess we'll keep driving slow. Yep, I got another one. This one is one of my favorites. Ode to a bad driver. Feel free to sing along. Are you drunk, sir, or just texting? Or perhaps you just don't care? Cause you came into my lane as though I wasn't there. Turns into like an Irish folk song now. But I wasn't drunk or texting, so here's what I could do. Cut the wheel and hit the brake instead of hitting you. Thank you very much. Thank you and good night.